Hello and welcome back to It Talks, the show where I tell you things and you rate me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Now that you have done that, and I greatly appreciate it, I want to tell you a story about a massive mistake I made, or series of them, to be more accurate. I hope that this personal story of immense failure helps you somehow as I work through and process what went wrong. My hope is that beyond a sense of schadenfreude, this audio can help protect others from what I willingly chose to do and from the harm that it caused myself and others around me. Or at least you laugh at how stupid I was. Let's get to the show. Back in February, I purchased a project car. I had the cash in hand, the technical support, and the ability to learn what was needed to make this a reality. There were a few reasons for the decision. First, there was the financial aspect. We were both working from home, my wife and I, so neither myself nor my wife needed to commute with any sort of frequency. I considered the value of asking my wife to sell her car as she was quoted at over 3000 more than what she was owing on it at the time. Now, you might want to stop me there, as the decision already seems shaky, but dear listener, if you would have told me then, I would have espoused to the world your perceived lack of brain cells for even the most simple of attempts, as I was set on it. Secondly, there was a car I wanted. I wanted to own a Prelude. If you considered me even slightly intelligent before this, you might be currently experiencing some shock. Yes, a Prelude. Yes, breathe. I wasn't in the market for an Evo or a BMW E69 or whatever. I wanted a Prelude. The comparatively underpowered yet technologically a bit ahead of its time. It featured iconic body stylings in the mid-80s and a very peppy VTEC 4-banger in the mid-90s. So naturally, I settled on neither and went with a 92. For those of you keeping track at home, I am currently 0-3. I've already struck out, I just didn't know it yet. So I found the car, like many do, on Craigslist. Ask was 2000 and the visible condition warranted about 1500 so we settled, and we got it home. I had some work to do. There were oil leaks standard on aged Hondas, the radiator and its hoses needed replacement, the tires were bald on just the inside corner, indicating a trash-tier aftermarket stancing, and the valve cover was leaking oil. Over the next month, my dear friend and I, let's call him John, ordered and installed parts faithfully. I installed and wired some JDM headlights. I pulled the shop manuals and learned how to integrate them into the car's controls as if they were factory. No hot wiring or fuse tapping in this car. I replaced relays spliced and refreshed broken wires, and even managed to fix the wiring harness to the car's AC. The 92 Prelude blew cold. All of this damage seemed to share a physical location, the front driver's side of the engine bay. After we finished the front bumper replacement, I concluded this car had been in some sort of moderate to severe accident. The hood didn't close quite flush. The window wash tank collapsed and both front turn signal lights were missing, and the wiring was shredded. Oh, and 70. 
To prevent the new tires I planned to purchase for the vehicle from suffering the same fate as the ones before, I had to stance the vehicle too. Then came a $400 set of Raceland coilovers. The vehicle wasn't even street legal yet. In an attempt to get the vehicle road ready, I went into the AAA to register it. That all went smoothly, but the finalization required a smog test. For those of you who don't live in California, a smog test is a California Air Resources and BOAR mandated examination of the combustion quality and air pollutant impact of a vehicle. If your car is made in the past 25 years, it's fairly simple to do. The test is all run by the onboard computer of the car you're sitting in. Roll up, plug in, wait a minute, and you're good to go. As of 2019, this was not the case for vehicles made in 1995 or older. The machines that used to be used in these shops were rendered unlawful by the state, and a far inferior, much more costly process had to be used. Long and short of it, there were only a handful of shops in the greater metro area I live in that would even try it. Once you start, you can't stop without failing, and all of those stupid implications, and the test took more than 90 minutes to complete. The grand total for the test of my vehicle was over $240, including the $80 in fees owed to the state for my aftermarket catalytic converter and air intake. After all that was completed, I went back later that week to the AAA and finalized registration and insurance. The car was ready to go. The work was complete, and everything was legal. Man, were those two weeks of commuting to my office insanely fun. My office is heavily interested in a quick and safe full return to office, so I need wheels again. For all the crap given to me by my friends and family over my choice in a used vehicle, they should have driven her. It held onto the road on sharp turns, was fast enough to handle anything I needed it to, and maneuvered incredibly well. It felt like I was starting to finally see the rewards of my labor. Then disaster struck. Have calamity and disaster struck your household? Has a secret past trauma resurfaced in ways you couldn't have possibly predicted? Are your so-called friends trying to cheer you up with positive reinforcement and healthy habits? We here at Basically Media Networks push away our healthy friendships with ease and comfort with help from our friends at Big OT Media Management. The Big OTs over at Big OT Media Management know exactly how to disconnect you from toxic social media. Just log in with Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Goodreads, All Recipes, Amazon Prime, Friendster, MySpace, and anything else you want, and they'll do the rest. You won't even be able to use those accounts after what they do. Oh, oh, what's that? All right, my producer is telling me I have misread the ad partner's business name. Let's try that again. Bigot Media Management. Six million happy users and climb. Oh, oh no. It was just another day, but a million times better to commute in my zippy little early 90s sports car. My morning could not have been better. But just like any book, movie, or any piece of prose, you know something is going to get bad when the narrator pumps it up. I must have caught a rock in the roadway or something. My engine temperatures were increasing even though I had replaced the radiator, coolant, hoses, and thermostat, checking each for functionality as I had gone along. I knew that subsystem like the back of my hand, but today, that wouldn't save me. My engine was overheating, and there was nothing I could do about it. If it was on a Sunday cruise or a trip to the grocery, I could have stopped and assessed, but I was already worried about being late to work. 
I rolled up to the office two minutes later, steam pouring out of the hood. This was not my return trip tonight, I was sure. After work, I called for a AAA tow, and the distance was 19 miles over the limit of my membership, so I enjoyed the equivalent of a $200 Uber to get this thing and myself home. I paid the bill, and thanked myself it wasn't worse. How wrong I was. Maybe the worst was yet to come for me, but you can always be prepared for when I drop new content. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple, and most importantly, sharing this with your loved ones that might like what I'm trying to do here. This is a place where I write and talk about my thoughts on things I have experienced or want to tell you about, but it is also a place for me to work on professional voicing and build skill with practice in sound design and audio production. If you like the quality and stylings of my work and find them amenable to your current or future projects, please reach out to me at boston at bmnpod.com. If you would like my assistance with voice work, production, writing, or brainstorming podcast ideas. Podcasting is my love and hobby, and I am proud to do what I can to be a part of it. One more time, if I can be of any use in voice, production, writing, or brainstorming, email me at boston at bmnpod.com. All right, back to me regretting financial decisions. So I got home, settled down, and poured a cup of decaf to think about the way forward. This car was out of commission, and I still had my 2016 Kia. My wife was currently using it, but we could get her something to correct it before she had to go back to the office in three weeks. All my time, effort, and finances went into handling that. Boy, was the price of stupidity steep on this one. The pain of remembrance sears through my chest as I write this even now. Why is it so bad, you say? It's just a mistake. Be a man and deal with it, you say. Well, that's what I did. I closed my crypto accounts down 40% and drew on savings to repair my mistake. Got my wife a Toyota to make sure that she could get to work in her own car. This was at the height of the chip shortage, and prices certainly reflected that. I'm sure we'll be feeling that decision for years, but I couldn't see a way through otherwise that I was comfortable with. Weeks turn to a few months as I go back to work and she starts her new job. I forget about the mistakes I made and the prelude sits at the curb until one day, not long ago, I got out of my car after driving home from work to notice a sticker on my prelude window, labeling it abandoned. Why had I not thought of this? Was I so busy with my other pursuits that I did not consider this a possibility? Now it had to go. Even my brilliant and very adept friend and gearhead, Mr. John, could not order, acquire, and install the required parts in three days. That's the limit of time before the state towed my vehicle. I had to sell it. That meant my options were used market to reseller, online markets like Facebook Marketplace, or selling to a dismantler. The car was in great condition as it was, or so I thought. More on that later. I tried Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. This didn't end up well, as the timeline required to make the sale didn't allow me to find anyone that wasn't a scammer who just wanted the wheels. I put it up for three grand. I figured the upgrades and repairs made would be enough of a justification for the price. One person did get back to me with solid interest, but they wanted a full VI report. I assumed this meant a car fax, so I pulled it. Holy cow, you could hear the wind leave my sails when I saw that report. I bought the car with 180,000 miles on the odometer, 
but the Carfax indicated there was a likely rollback with mileages on the engine looking more like 350,000. It happened after an accident I didn't even know it had, and it was likely the result of a used gauge cluster installation. I cannot believe I missed that and actually bought this thing. There were multiple accidents that made the damage I witnessed during my repairs seem more understandable. The truth was now simple. I could not ethically sell this to anyone. I pulled the ads and called the dismantler who came by two days later and handed me an envelope with $485 cash in it for my trouble. This brings the totals on the balance sheets to 1500 for the car, 400 for the coils, 275 for the radiator work, 475 for tires rotation balancing, and about 300 for incidentals, gaskets, fluids, and other parts. My total cost was $2,950. My recovery was $485 from the dismantler, leaving me $2,465 in the red. Lost in the affair without factoring lost gains from investments and the purchase of my wife's new car. There isn't a shadow of doubt in my mind that I wouldn't have done this if I had known that this was going to be the outcome. That's a lot of food, bills, rent, and audio gear that I lost to my own hubris, overconfidence, neglect, and laziness. Even a simple understanding of the laws surrounding car modification in California made it stupid hard to do what I tried, and really should have dissuaded me on its own. I do not regret the time that I got to spend with my brother, Mr. John, and the others who gave of their time to the project. I have an insane amount of respect for them and enjoyed every minute of the time spent. I also learned a lot about automotive wiring. I am proud even today of the work I got done in that department. I am confident that any small work that needs done on future vehicles that I own, I will feel confident enough to handle. These two upsides make the financial loss far more palatable. So what's my takeaway here? In the world we live in and state, working on cars at home is just not as feasible as it used to be. It does bring up more important questions about right to repair, regulatory capture, and cronyist handouts to automakers, but I don't want to sully the positive note I'm ending on with rank political demagoguery. If you intend to try this for yourself, have the skill finances, and information required to make it work and be prepared to lose it all, because you just might. All that said, it's still rewarding, fun, and meaningful to the skill set of the modern-day do-it-yourselfer to learn what skills this could provide. This is Boston. Stay safe, have fun, and live well. I'll see you next time on It Speaks. <laughs>